The Lord will be ever mindful of his covenant. Welcome back to the Hackberry House, a daily podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted Church of North Korea. My name's Bob, and this is podcast number 221. It's July 19, 2015. Well, today, as the scripture for today indicates, God is always going to remember his people, and he calls for us to do the same. Today I want to give you a little history and some factual material about North Korea and the people of God who live there. This is from NorthKoreanChristians.com. First question they ask is, why North Korean Christians? Christians are persecuted around the world. What's so special about the persecution of North Korean Christians that makes North Korea the world's top persecutor of Christians? Indeed, in a category all by itself. Well, North Korean Christians aren't simply killed for their faith in Christ. They're pulverized with steamrollers, used to test biological weapons, shipped off to death camps or shot in front of children, while newborn babies have their brains uh, ripped out with forceps in front of their mothers. Crimes against humanity reminiscent of Auschwitz and Treblinka to which the world declared never again more than 60 years ago, but they're being perpetrated today against the North Korean Christians. So NorthKoreanChristians.com just summarizes the background to the present atrocities in North Korea, the outlook and the roles played by the three key players, which would be China, South Korea, and the United States of America. And if you go to the site, NorthKoreanChristians.com, you'll find video clips and testimonies and articles and reports. And I I suggest that you go there, as I have suggested you go to the various places before, Open Doors and Voice of the Martyrs and Crossing Borders. There's a lot of people trying to bless North Koreans, but perhaps not enough. So brace yourself. The atrocities being committed against the North Korean Christians are truly appalling, and their God-given courage truly inspiring. Please read, watch, listen, but don't stop there. Do something to help them, bearing in mind that they aren't asking us for handouts, but to help them fight for Christ. Many of them risk their lives to escape from their hell into China. They receive the gospel, and then they volunteer, many of them, to return to North Korea as one-way missionaries. It's our privilege to support these courageous Christian warriors in the Lord's battle. Christianity, and I'm going on to another section now called North Korea Christian Persecution. Christianity reached the traditionally Buddhist and Confucian Korean Peninsula, North and South Korea at that time, all just Korea, back in the 1880s. A revival started in 1907, particularly in the North. 3,000 churches sprang up in the present North Korea and Pyongyang, the present North Korean capital. Pyongyang, Pyongyang was even called the Jerusalem of Asia. Persecution of Christians started in 1910 when Japan annexed the Korean peninsula and mandated worshiping the Japanese emperor. Christians who bowed down to his portrait were spared. Those who didn't were tortured, imprisoned, and or executed. 
But despite the persecution, Christians grew in number. The Japanese persecution lasted 35 years until 1945 when Japan surrendered to end the Second World War. The respite was short-lived in, however, as the communists, led by the Soviet-trained Kim Il-sung, streamed into and occupied the northern half of the peninsula. Backed by the Soviets, Kim spent the next five years consolidating his power in North Korea, crushing opposition, including from Christians, and building an army of his own. In 1950, Kim's communist army of North Korea invaded the democratic South Korea. The ensuing Korean War killed millions, leveled both South and North Korea, and ended three years later in a draw, with the post-war border more or less where the pre-war border had been. After the war, Kim Il-sung intensified the persecution of Christians in North Korea. Those who renounced their faith and swore allegiance to him and his new Juche ideology were spared, although relegated to the lowest levels of his new social order. Those who refused were executed or deported to remote concentration camps where they were starved, overworked, tortured, and or shot to death. By the 1960s, North Korea's once ubiquitous Christians were nowhere to be seen, at least not on the surface. Let's talk about North Korea religion now. Today, Juche is no longer just an ideology. It's a full-fledged religion that worships Kim Il-sung as God and his son Kim Jong-il as the son of God. Whether or not Kim Jong-un is now worshipped as the grandson of God remains to be seen. In 2005, David Hawke, the respected human rights investigator, interviewed 40 North Korean escapees about religion in North Korea. Here are some of their responses about North Korea's religion. Quote, Juche is the only religion North Korean people can have. End of quote. Another quote, we learned that there were two lives. One is the physical life and the other is the political life. We were taught that political life was forever along with the leaders and the party. Therefore, I believed that my political life was more important than my physical life. End of quote. Another quote, according to Party Covenant, Article 1, Section 1, all North Koreans are required to worship Kim Il-sung with all of our heart and our might, even after his death. We have to venerate the pictures and status of Kim Il-sung. We must hang Kim Il-sung's pictures. The pictures indicate that Kim Il-sung is God as we hang the pictures for the purpose of reminding ourselves that we depend on him. End of quote. Quote, hanging portraits of Kim's family is compulsory for every household. The portraits must be hung on the best wall of every home and nothing else can be hung under the portraits. Families with high loyalty to the party bow down under the portraits even when nobody is watching. End of quote. Quote, religious freedom is not allowed in North Korea because it will ruin the deification of Kim Il-sung. Having faith in God is an act of espionage. Only Kim Il-sung is a god in North Korea. Juche itself is a religion. Therefore, they worry that people may forsake Juche for another religion, end of quote. How is that worry 
expressed against underground Christians when they are discovered. Well, here are Hawk's summation of the replies from two of the interviewees. First, a young woman in her 20s was washing clothes in a tributary to the Tumen River. Now, that's the border between China and North Korea. When packing up the clothes, she dropped what was believed to be a small Bible. The actual words used by the North Korean authorities were Christianity book. Another washerwoman reported the girl to the police. According to interviewee four, the informer may not have known that the book was a Bible, but all suspicious activity had to be reported to the police. The young woman and her father, looking to be roughly 60 years old, were arrested and held by the local police for some three months. During that time, the woman and her father were presumably investigated and interrogated. Apparently, they were deemed guilty of a capital offense. On a summer morning in 1997, the two were taken to a market area near where the Seongchan River turns into the Tumen River. The two were accused of trafficking and condemned as traitors to the nation and Kim Jong-il. Interviewee 4 was unaware of any other judicial procedures prior to the announcement of the crime, verdict, and sentence in an extremely brief public show trial, which consisted of no more than announcements of the charges and verdict immediately prior to the execution. Teachers and students from elementary, fourth grade and up, middle school and high school were assembled, along with persons who had been sent over from the nearby market. Seven police fired three shots each into the two victims, who had been tied to stakes a few meters from the trial area. The force of the rifle shots, fired from 15 meters away, caused blood and brain matter to be blown out of their heads. Interviewee 4 was in the fifth row. She sketched from memory a schematic drawing of the execution scene. End of quote. While inter- another quote. While interviewee 17 was in the North Korean army, his unit was dispatched to widen the highway between Pyongyang and the nearby port city of Nampo. They were demolishing a vacated house in Yangkang County, Yangkang district town, when in a basement between two bricks they found a Bible and a small notebook that contained 25 names, one identified as pastor, two as Chandosa, the assistant pastors, two as elders, and 20 other names, apparently parishioners, identified by their occupations. The soldiers turned the Bible and notebook over to the local branch of Department 15 of the Korean Workers' Party, but the party officials said it was up to the military police unit to investigate. Tracked down at their place of work through the listing of occupation in the notebook, the 25 persons were picked up without formal arrest by the military. The interviewee was not aware of any judicial procedures for those seized. In November 1996, the 25 were brought to the road construction site. Four concentric rectangular rows of spectators were assembled to watch the execution. Interviewee 17 was in the first row. 
The five leaders to be executed, that is the pastor, two assistant pastors, and two elders, were bound hand and foot and made to lie down in front of a steamroller. This steamroller was a large construction vehicle imported from Japan with a heavy, huge, and wide steel roller mounted on the front to crush and level the roadway prior to pouring concrete. The other 20 persons were held just to the side. The condemned were accused of being Protestant Christian spies and conspiring to engage in subversive activities. Nevertheless, they were told, if you abandon religion and serve only Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, you will not be killed. None of the five said a word. Some of the fellow parishioners assembled to watch the execution cried and screamed out or fainted when the skulls made a popping sound as they were crushed beneath the steamroller. Interviewee 17 thought at the time that these church people were crazy. He thought then that religion was an opiate and it was stupid for them to give up their lives for religion. He heard from the soldiers who took away the other 20 prisoners that they were being sent to a prison camp. He sketched from memory also a diagram of that execution scene. I'm not aware of whether that diagram is on that website or not. You might want to look. I'm going to stop early today. I think, um, I think that's more than enough, don't you? Perhaps too much for some. My apologies if you are totally outraged and offended and made sick. And yet, can you take this to God? You're only experiencing the telling of it. These people experienced the real thing, some seeing it up front, others, of course, with the Lord right now. And we do not sorrow for them, but we do sorrow for those who don't know the Lord and for the great wrath of God that's going to come on those who have been so treated because as it says in Psalm 111 verse 5 the Lord will ever be mindful of his covenant